Well, good morning. Recently, I attended a Energy Efficient Homes seminar at one of my neighbor's houses. I don't know if you've ever been to one of these things. Some refreshments are served, and a contractor is there to talk about uh, how your home is probably leaking energy both in the summer and the winter. And it was truly a disturbing seminar. I uh, just went two doors down, and essentially uh, what the contractor did is, is he explained to us the flow of warm air and the flow of cold air, and, and essentially made the case that your home is constantly leaking energy in hidden ways that you, you never know about unless a contractor and his scary tools can show you. <laughs> so he basically held up one of uh, his, like, you know, Ghostbusters gadgets or whatever uh, uh, near, near the wall, and it was crazy. I saw basically, I forget, you know, whether it turned green or whether it turned red, uh, but, but it turned. And, uh, and uh, it, was, it was amazing to me to see, to see cool air leaving the house. And maybe you've seen the commercials with like the dollar bills going underneath the door, you know. It's true. Um, cold air, uh, it leaks uh, basically in the lower part of the house, in the basement or whatever the lower part of the house is. Like cold air find its way, finds its way there and unless your home has been um, weatherized, um, it'll, it'll leak and, and you'll never know it. And likewise, when you're trying to make the house warm, um, you know, this drafty old house, uh, the, the warm air uh, leaves through the top of your house, any, any non-weatherized cracks in your house uh, there as well. And it, it was just amazing to me how our homes leak energy in hidden ways, internal hidden ways. And as I was reflecting on this message and what the Lord was teaching in Matthew 11, one of the things I realized is that our lives are, are in many ways like a non-weatherized home in that something hidden is happening that is constantly draining us and leaving us unrested and leaving us unrefreshed. Where does our energy go? Where does it go? I bet you're tired. I'm going to guess that most of you are tired. Why? We're always trying to get our energy back, and it's always leaving us. We're, we're always dragging ourselves around. Now, if you're the parent of small children, say no more. <laughs> um, but where does our sense of wholeheartedness go? Our sense of being fully refreshed, deep within, we're always looking ahead to rest, and we're going, you know what, once I get to blank, I'm going to really dive into rest and refreshment. After like two or three weeks or like two months later, I've got this thing coming up, and when I do this thing, this vacation, this getaway, this feast, this reunion, this trip, then I'll be fully refreshed. Then I'll be totally, totally rested. But then we get back. We get our full night's sleep. We get our vacation, and we need a break from the vacation. Or it gives us, like, that much energy, and Monday and Tuesday take that much energy. And we're back to where we were before. Where does it all go? It's like we're an we're a iPhone battery, always looking for a plug. You know, I plug in, I get 2% over here, but then I got to go over here, and then I plug in over here, and then I get five juice batteries, but then I've got to send some emails, and then I've got to plug in again. How do we get to 100%? 
Why don't we stay at 100%? Why is our energy always leaking? Why are we always tired? Why is it so hard to stay fully rested? Most of our text uh, teaching will be from Matthew 11, but there's a phrase from our Old Testament reading that I want to point your attention to. You can turn there or not. It's a phrase I want to talk about, and it's on page 7. Second column, so the right column, and it's verse 9. It gives us an insight as to why we're always tired. It's a condition that we share with the people described in this text. The phrase is this, they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. They did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. One helpful translation goes like this. Their spirits were broken because of their harsh slavery. It was because of their harsh slavery that something broke inside that made them incapable of hearing about rest. Consider the significance of this. This was a nation that had been illegally made to be slaves. They were not legally slaves, but they had, the nation of Israel had illegally been made slaves simply by an iron fist of Egypt and Pharaoh. And um, God sent a messenger to offer them freedom. You're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be free. But they couldn't hear that message because the very act of slavery had broken their spirits. They were slaves on the inside, not just on the outside. Slavery had broken something invisible, but real. This is what happened. Exodus 5-7 says this. Um, This is is a, uh, a fiat, a command from Pharaoh to the Israelites. He said this. You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks, as in the past. Let these people go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past, you shall impose on them. He's talking to the foreman. You shall by no means reduce it. Let heavier work be laid upon the men. So originally, they were making bricks for Pharaoh's projects, and they were being supplied with materials to make bricks with. But then Pharaoh said, no, take the materials away. They're going to have to find straw on their own, but their quota is going to be just as high. And so uh, verse 13 of Exodus 5 says this, the taskmasters were urgent to the slaves saying, complete your work, your daily task each day um, as when there was straw. Complete your work, don't slack off. And when they couldn't keep up with the demands, here's uh, here's what their taskmasters said. They were beaten and they were asked, why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? You know, you were keeping up pretty good for a while, but then you slacked off and something's wrong with you. What's going on? Why can't you keep up? And they were beaten. You see, when you're a slave, this is what breaks you. When you're a slave, all you are is what you can accomplish. That's all you are, is what you make and what you do and how much you keep up. And so slaves are driven by these kind of soul-crushing questions. 
Why can't you keep up? That's a question that will crush the soul of any person. Why can't you keep up? Why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? We could translate this as, you know, you met your sales quota last quarter. Why did you fall short this quarter? You, 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 did, you outperformed everybody before. What's happening? Is something going wrong? Because I'm concerned here that you're not meeting your sales quota. Maybe no one's asked you a question like that out loud. But the question hangs over you like it hung over the Israelites, perhaps. Why didn't you sell what you sold last quarter? Or here's some other examples of questions that would crush the soul of anybody. How were your grades last semester? You know, they were good the first semester. What about this semester? How, how, are, how are they now? Or did he call you for a second date? How are your workouts going? You keep you seeing some progress with your workouts? How's your sugar to vegetable ratio for your diet? How's that going? You feeling because if you eat right, your energy level should be high. You're right. Sugar takes your energy level down. Avocados take them up. Are you really working for justice? Are you really inclusive, as inclusive as you say you are? How are your art projects going? You know, the ones that you have to work on at night. Not your day job, but the ones at night. Are you really committed to your art? How many emails have you not answered? Perhaps you ask that question of yourself as I do. What emails have I not answered? Who's mad at me? How much of my laundry has been done or left undone? Anglican joke. <laughs> what kind of choices are my kids making? Are they making the right choices? Am I really invested in them? Do I really know their world? Am I really giving my kids what they need to make good choices? How much do I still owe on my student loans again? Slaves hear unceasing questions like these. But whereas the Israelites heard them from Pharaoh and their slave masters, we hear these questions from ourselves. We are our own Pharaoh. We are our own slave master. Chuck DeGroat wrote a great book called Toughest People to Love. And one of the things he says is that the toughest people to love most oftentimes are ourselves. But he's pointing us to the cross and pointing us to Jesus and giving us wisdom as to how we may love other people as well. But here's an insight that he, that he has. He says this, I've heard many criticize American culture and even American Christians as self-consumed. I beg to differ, he says. I believe people are more often self-consumed self-contemptuous. They are not just afraid of themselves, they are ashamed of themselves. And I would add, we are mad at ourselves. We are mad at ourselves for what we have not done, what we have not accomplished. We're furious with ourselves. Many of us have unrested souls because we operate as underperforming slaves. Many of us are unrested in our souls because we are operating as underperforming slaves. Slaves have to bust their tail to be worthy of rest, to be worthy of a break, to be worthy of a weekend. They have to earn and claw their way to a vacation, to a state of peace. And then, you know what? Once we do, if we've been operating in that level... You know what we want to do when we have just a chance? When the questions of Pharaoh have finally died down and we feel like we've justified our existence, 
A lot of times we just go into a state of vegetation, to a state of, of numbness. So we can numb the questions of Pharaoh. The questions never quite go away, but they do get numbed. So we go to food or entertainment or pornography, and we feel numb for a while. We feel uh, pseudo-rest for a while. But the internal slave master is only satisfied for a little bit, and then it's back to the work fields because the questions never stop. We need our Father to rescue us. We need a Father to rescue us from this state of being an underperforming slave with an unrested soul. We need our Father who knows us to come find us in the work fields and say, you are not a slave. You are my daughter. You are my son. You belong in my household where I provide everything that you need, where your status is not dependent upon what you accomplish or don't accomplish. Come home. Come to the family table. Come relearn who you are. Let's spend some unproductive, non-efficient time together. (laughs) Come and be known again. Just as Moses came to the fathers, uh, came on the father's behalf to the nation of Israel, Jesus came on the father's behalf to God's people and said, "You are my son, in whom I am well pleased. Come back. I want to set you free." Jesus come, came on his father's behalf and revealed the heart of the father to men and women and said, "Come to me." all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Do you see how much of a different tone that is from the slave master? It's a radical shift. You hear the shift. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. There's a shift in tone. You see, slave masters have an impatient, shaming tone. Why haven't you finished your work? Why are you just standing there? Why are you falling short of your potential? What's your problem? Why do you keep screwing it up? Jesus' tone is filled with grace. Come to me. I have something to give you. There's a shift also in the source of true rest. You see, slave master says, if you work hard enough, if you strive hard enough, if you believe and if you sacrifice hard enough, you can seize true rest. You just got to earn it. You just got to make it. And then it will be amazing. And Jesus says, come to me and I will give it to you. I want to give you rest. Why? What did I did? What did I do? It has nothing to do with what you did do or didn't do. You're my kid. I want you to be well rested. I want you to be wholehearted. I want to give you rest. There's a shift in relationship as well. A slave master relates to a slave in a much different way. A slave master comes to a slave and basically says, I'm going to drive you until you provide what I want, and then I'm going to put you away like a machine, like a tool, like a thing. That's how a slave master relates with a slave. But Jesus comes and he relates with us like a loving father relates to a child. Come come home, come to me. All who are burdened and laboring, just come to me. Just come to me. I want to spend time with you. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be accomplished. You don't have to have earned anything or be charming. 
You can just come to me. You're my daughter. You're my son. There's a shift in relationship. There's a shift in tone. There's a shift in the source of true rest. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. But there's more. There's more. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and and learn from me. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you will have rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. You see, we have to learn from Jesus. We, We have to learn our true identity. We have to relearn our true identity. And we relearn it by Jesus asking us a new set of questions that teach us about how we're sons and that teach us about how we're daughters. These are different questions than Pharaoh would ask. They're different questions than a slave master would ask. These are questions a father might ask a child. Like, that looks heavy. Can I help you carry that? Or, is that really your job? Have I asked you to do that work right now? Why don't you let me be responsible for that? You look stressed. You look tired. What are you trying to accomplish? What do you really want? Do you know that I've already done that for you? Do you know that I've already done that for the world? That rule that you've made for yourself, that I'll always blank or I'll never blank, that vow that you've made, does that really apply to you? Have I given you that rule? What yoke are you taken, have you taken upon your shoulders that doesn't fit your shoulders? It's misshapen upon your shoulders. That looks really heavy for you. You're going to hurt yourself. Can I please take that off your shoulders and put it on mine? Can I give you a new job? Can I give you a new calling? One that comes out of your identity as a son or a daughter, but doesn't define or give you an identity as a son or a daughter? Can I just give you a new yoke, one that fits you, one that's light enough for you? One that's easy? Could your ego handle that? I want to give you an easy yoke. I want to give you a different yoke because you're my kid. These questions lead us to a place of Sabbath refreshment and wholeheartedness. They are carried out in conversation with Jesus and the Father, and it's an ongoing conversation that we need time for. So guess what? There's permission this week, for you to spend an hour, regardless of what you've done or not done, to let Jesus ask you these questions. To just sit with Jesus and him and his questions for you. For him to remind you of who you are and what he's called you to and what he's not called you to. There's time for you to tell him about your burdens. There's time for you to let him carry them for you. Because it's in the presence of Jesus that we're transformed from underperforming slaves to well-rested sons and daughters. In the presence of Jesus, in the presence of true Sabbath rest, we are transformed from underperforming slaves to well-rested and wholehearted sons and daughters. See, Jesus gives us true Sabbath deep within, the inner state of Sabbath. Not just resting our bodies, and resting our bodies is important. We need to take time for that. But resting our souls Jesus gives us a Sabbath rest by letting us know how deeply he loves us, 
how closely he walks with us, how much he knows and cares for our burdens, how much he identifies with us, how much work he can do on our behalf in a way we cannot. Some of us have a chance to take a day off. The Sabbath is not a day off. Sabbath is so much more. Some of us have a chance to take a vacation. A Sabbath can be experienced on vacation, but is not the same thing as vacation. Some of us can afford to take a day off, and some of us really can't. Do you know that you don't have to afford a day off to get Sabbath rest in Jesus? Do you know that you don't have to wait for your children to grow up out of being toddlers to get Sabbath rest in Jesus? Do you know that your artwork could be the passion of your life for six months in a row and you can still have Sabbath rest in Jesus? No matter where you are at, you are invited and given permission to rest with Jesus and hear him say to you, not in general but specific, come to me, all who are weary, all who are heavy laden, I will give you rest. I will affirm you, I will carry what you're carrying, and I will walk with you. And you will have rest for your souls. For my burden, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come out of slavery. Come out of a broken spirit. Give your broken spirit to me. Jesus is our true home, our true rest, our true yoke, our true companion, and he reveals the heart of the Father. As we come in a few moments around the table, this is one of the places where we remember our identity. Come and bring your burdens, come and bring your broken spirit, and come remember that in Jesus, you have all that you need as a son and a daughter of the Father. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you.